0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Leading Coaches Center Mastermind Call. I'm Susie Pomerantz, and I'm the founder of the Leading Coaches Center. And I'm so happy that you're here today with us. And I just have a couple of quick announcements before I introduce our featured speaker, Marissa Levin, who I'm so excited to introduce to you. Um, But just real quick, if you want to mute and unmute yourself during the call, you can do that by pressing star six. And I do hope that you'll engage during the call because Marissa has tons of great content to share with us, and it will be even more um, personal and dynamic if you engage as well. And the call is being recorded, as you just heard, and will be posted in the Leaders Clubhouse, hopefully this afternoon. Um, And then we are also live on the Leading Coaches Center Facebook page, where we'll be taking notes and posting resources that Marissa should So if you want to engage, ask questions there, feel free to post on that page as well. And if you just go to Facebook and look for Leading Coaches Center, we have a page on there um, where you'll see Marissa's photo and I have um, her companies posted. And... Um, so you can engage with us there as well. And, and I just want to let you know that you can mark your calendars for the next two uh, mastermind calls. We've already got them booked. So if you want to mark your calendars now, September 13th at 12 noon Eastern, we will have the legendary Laura Berman Fortgang with, joining us. And the following month in October on the 16th at 12.30 p.m., we will have an astounding um, savvy business person named Carl Bryan joining us too. So um, those are the next two Leading Coaches Center Mastermind calls. And I hear that lots of people have joined the call. So welcome to everybody who has joined us. The call is being recorded. And I want to, before I introduce Marissa, I want to go around the room quickly and give folks a chance to say hello. So here's how I'd like to do that. Let us know, just do a quick check-in, let us know your name, your location, because I know we have folks from all over the world dialing in, and um, if you want to tell us one coaching focus of yours or one coaching passion of yours, that would be great, Um, and that way we'll get a quick sense of who's in the room, and then I can introduce Marissa, and we'll rock and roll with Built to Scale, which is today's topic. So who would like to check in first?
1: I guess I will. Great. Uh, Excuse me. My my name is Neil Burgess and I'm calling from Phoenix, Arizona.
0: I can't hear you very well. There was some interference. Can you repeat that second?
2: My name is Neil Burgess and I'm calling in from Phoenix, Arizona.
0: Wonderful, Neil. Thank you. Neil from Arizona. And what's your coaching focus, Neil?
2: Focus. I focus on leadership coaching but more with regards to extraordinary
1: leaders as well as Thanks. introverts. Oh great. Oh great. Hey, this is Mariana Leeds from New York City.
0: Well, Mariana. Mariana. And, your and your coaching focus is?
1: Focus Life and career. What was that?
0: What was that? Do you want to repeat that,
1: Mariana? That's a life and career coaching. Uh, I'll and if go want
0: to mute, It's star six to mute and star six to unmute, and I'm looking forward to hearing who's next to check in.
2: I'll go next. Um, My name is Will Hendrick. I'm a board-certified holistic alternative psychology practitioner. I'm in Maryland, and I focus on teaching people to exclude negativity, focus on positives, and how to feel better um, about their lives.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Will. Who's next to check in?
2: Hi, this
3: is Susan Meyer. I'm in Brooklyn, New York. And um my focus right now is executive coaching in municipal government and
2: also uh building capacity for the International Association of Coaching.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for joining us.
3: Who else is here? I'll also in. Hi Susie, it's Shoni Pierce from Salt Lake City.
0: Johnny. And
3: my focus right now is uh leadership coaching for strategic growth.
0: Wonderful, thank you. Who else?
2: Hi, it's Paul Litwack in Toronto.
0: Welcome, Paul. And your leadership focus or sorry, your coaching focus or passion is?
2: I'm a, a board-certified uh, coach in uh, NLP and timeline therapy and an instructor of hypnotherapy, and my area of expertise is executive leadership coaching.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. So happy you could join us. Thank you. Who else is here? Who else wants to check in quickly?
2: To so Steve Borick, uh, located in Syracuse, New York. My focus is... Uh, uh, Gen Gen Y Leaders and Entrepreneurs.
3: Excellent.
0: Hi, Steve. Hi. It's been a while. It has been a while so delighted that everyone's here. We had 43 people signed up for this call, so if other folks are lurking and hiding out and wanting to be anonymous, that's totally fine. I do invite fine. you to type in and speak, speak, speak up whenever you feel whenever. moved to do so. Um, you'll just have to manage the star six to mute and unmute yourself. Does anyone else, wanna Does anyone else want to check in before I introduce in before Marissa? In. Marissa?
3: Hi, Susie. it's Joyce Olidison from Winnipeg, Virginia. Manitoba. I work with I work Workplace with and workplace. Life Wellness work relationship. Workplace.
0: Hi,
1: Joyce, so Hi, glad you're Joyce. here. And you're not the only Canadian, on the, the
0: only Canadian on the call. I heard, that.
1: I heard
0: that. Any other check-ins? Any other
1: check-ins? Are you all hearing an echo? I'm hearing an echo? echo with my voice. Yes. You are. Okay. So
0: I'm going to ask folks to press star six to mute and see if that gets rid of our echo. And then just you'll just have to remember to star six to unmute when you want to join in and chat with us. Okay. That seems to have helped. I already hear the echo going away. Um, Okay, so let me delightfully introduce Marissa Levin, who I am going to tell you all about her credentials in a moment, but I just have to tell you how honored, super delighted I am to have her with us today. Um, I have been a member of a mastermind group for almost seven years now, and this mastermind group has been my personal board of advisors and mentors. and. Um Marissa is the newest member to our mastermind group, so I've known her only about a year. But I have to say in that time, she's made a huge contribution not only to my business and my life, but also to our entire mastermind group. And um, as the only other woman in the mastermind group, she's my mastermind sister. So I'm um, so <laughs> excited that, Marissa, you're here today. And Thanks. Um, what I want to tell you guys about Marissa is that Um, She not only has an unbelievably savvy business mind, which we'll hear about in a minute, but she has a huge heart, and she has an even huger commitment to helping people and making a difference on the planet. And um, to me, that's what I love most about Marissa. And she built from the ground up a company called Information Experts. The link to it is from, you can see on our Facebook page, um, at Leading Coaches Center on the Facebook She, her company is called Information Experts, and it's a successful strategic education and human capital communications firm, and she's been running that as the CEO for 18 years. So the author of two books, one of them is My Company Rocks, Eight Secrets to a Growth-Driven Culture that Keeps Employees Happy and Engaged, and the one that she's going to share with us about today, her newest book called Built to Scale, How Top Companies Create Breakthrough Growth Through Exceptional Advisory Boards, and Part of why I was so excited to have Marissa come talk to us about this book today is because she's really the first person to ever go to market with a model and a book based on experience and research for how privately held businesses can implement advisory boards and really explode their growth. So I think this appeals to our community on two levels: one for those of us in our own coaching businesses, but also for the business for the organizations that we're connected to at, in, in non profits that we might contribute to as board members, et cetera. But also for our clients, because I know we have clients who are dealing with these issues of scale and how to scale their businesses. And so this information about advisory boards, I think, is directly relevant to the work that we do with our clients. Um, and Marissa's company, under her leadership, has won so many awards. How many awards is it now, Marissa? It's well over 100, right? Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's about 100. It's definitely around there. Um, yeah, so it, for creativity and uh, leadership.
0: Yeah, so this so and she was also named one of Washington's top 100 technology titans in 2009 by Washingtonian Magazine. Um and she was selected as one of Greater Washington's women who mean business by the Washington Business Journal. And I know she's an active member of um the of of Entrepreneurs Organization of EO and she, contributor everywhere she shows up. So, Marissa, thank you for being with us, and welcome.
3: Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. And, I, you know, Susie, I mean, you and I have kind of traveled in the same circles, professional circles, for a long time, and we know so many of the same people. And so, I mean, when I was um, invited into the Mastermind group about a year ago, I just, I just felt so honored because the group, everybody in that group is just, you operate at such a high level of integrity and professionalism and you know, to, to be a part of that and to be able to contribute to your success is just, um, I mean, it's just, it's really incredible. So I want to, you know, thank you for taking a risk on me and letting me come in and thank you for your kind words about that. So um, I thought, you know, what I wanted to okay. really chat about today, and I, I wrote down what everybody was interested in, the people that shared, and I'm, I mean, I'm already educated, you know, just being on the call five minutes, listening to the whole gamut of all the different types of coaching that, um, people provide, and so that for me is has already been enlightening, but what I really wanted to share today um, was kind of what my journey has been building this company over 18 years. Um, you know, we're $11 million uh, in revenue this year, and I've built it while raising two kids, and, you know, as a hands-on mom, and Susie and I certainly commiserate quite often about how difficult that is. But really, what was able, what really enabled me to kind of get through my plateaus, because companies grow and then they hit these, um, they hit these plateaus, and it's like they can't get around the obstacles. And what really helped me to kind of push through a lot of my obstacles, both internally and outside of my company, was surrounding myself with great people. And um, I did that very informally for a long time, and then I went ahead and I put in an advisory board, and I'm actually sitting here. Um, I'm very involved with a group called Entrepreneurs' Organization, EO. It's a global organization, and I'm actually um, very involved with a program that they have called Accelerator, and it's a group that gets businesses from 250000 to a million. It gets them beyond that million-dollar um, that plateau and pushes them over so that they qualify for EO. And I'm actually sitting in here. Um, I walked out of my accelerator group to actually do this call because as a mentor, one of the things that, I mean, I, you know, I say that running a business for me is really my day job. Um, for me, my love and my passion is really mentoring other business owners and emerging entrepreneurs and helping, uh, you know, other leaders remove their obstacles. And what I tell the emerging entrepreneurs that I mentor and that I coach, um, if I have to give them one piece of advice that will make the difference in whether or not they're successful or whether or not they have difficulty, it is to ask for help. It's Mm -hmm. always ask for help. And, um, you know, I, I, I say that if I legally, if I could take out a billboard on the Beltway in the D.C. area that said, please help me with my phone number, I would do that. I just am constantly putting it out there. Whenever I have any type of challenge, I'm always putting it out there that I need help, which is why I do the Mastermind Group, and I have a forum group in an EO, and I have a circle of women business owners, and I have an accountability coach. I've surrounded myself with four structured environments to make sure mm-hmm. that I get help, and then I also have my advisory board for information experts, and like Sushin, um the Mastermind Group is like my advisory board for my second company, so Surrounding yourself and reaching out and making sure that you are aligning with people who have an understanding of your challenges because they've already gone through them. Surrounding yourself with people who have um, experience putting in the processes you need to run your business better. And surrounding yourself with people who can open up doors to opportunities and decision makers. Um, Those are just, it's invaluable expertise that I think every business owner needs in order to move forward so um, that's kind of like what I was going to talk about Susie does that um, does that make sense
0: yeah absolutely and I also want to make sure that you um, address what scale means for Mm -hmm. uh, the title of your book um, because I don't I failed to mention that that actually stands that those letters stand for something so I think that would be useful to dive into that a little bit
3: too Okay, so um so I started out on my own advisory board journey about three years ago when my company was really stuck at about five million and I was having breakfast with a mentor and I said to him, Ron, I just can't get past this five million. It seems that what's happening in my company is that people kind of have their own agendas ahead of the business agenda. Um I can't seem to break into new clients. I can't seem to get past a certain revenue amount for the type of sale I was making. And I just, I was burning through cash and I had a lot of overhead. And I just couldn't, I didn't, you know, I knew all these things were happening, but I just really didn't know why they were happening. And I also didn't understand um how to overcome them. So he said to me, and he's he's much older than I am, he said to me, have you ever thought about putting in a board of advisors? And I hadn't really even heard that term. And he said a board of advisors is basically where you go out and you hand select people that specifically meet the holes in your organization and you hold quarterly meetings and you have this group of, of advisors that are dedicated to helping your business grow. So that's kind of how I started on the whole path, and I went on this journey, and I ended up you know, interviewing like 20 different um, ex- people who I had met, people who had built businesses much larger than mine, people who had access to the customers that I wanted, people who understood processes that I wanted to put in, and eventually I narrowed it down after many, many interviews and a lot of trial and error, Absolutely. I narrowed it down to six advisors. And so what I went through was a very strong selection phase. and so. The model, um, to get back to your question, Susie, what does SCALE stand for? It stands for Select, Compensate, Associate, Leverage, and then Evaluate, Evolve, and Exit. What was that? I thought I'm posting was
0: that. it on the Facebook page, so you guys can, if you're on the Facebook page, it's there. SCALE stands for Select, Compensate, Associate, Leverage, and then the E is there's three E's, Evaluate, Evolve, and Exit.
3: Right. And and the, thing, the reason there's three E's is because a board, an advisory board is a fluid and dynamic entity. It isn't like you put it in place and then you're done. If you're doing things right, then the board will need to evolve and change with your organization. And so you want to make sure that you're constantly evaluating who's on your board, evolving the board, um, and exiting the people who are on board in a very professional, methodical manner. And so we'll get to the E. So... Looking at the model um, for people who either are coaching business owners that might be putting in a board, I know Steve from New York. you mentioned that you coach entrepreneurs so um entrepreneurs you know are are a perfect- a perfect um, market segment because they're they're building these companies, and typically people who have companies say from like $3 million to $5 million, up to about $15 million. They really are like the ideal range for implementing a board, although really what I, what I coach entrepreneurs about is that um, anyone who has a business at all can surround themselves with great advisors, even though the entire model may not be applicable to them. So the S stands for select, as I mentioned, and in the book I talk about the whole process of how you go about finding people where you should find them. There's like a dozen different um, places that you can find them, what you should look for, what are the main attributes that you should look for, what are some of the things that you should avoid. Like when you implement a board of advisors, you don't want to have a group of people that is um, jack-of-all-trades. You want to have done a very um, strategic um, framework of where your holes are in your organization. So in the book there, I think I list, 35 different ways that companies can actually use advisors, everything from I need help with my marketing plan, to implementing a process, to figuring out what should I insource versus what should I outsource, Um, how can I get to specific customers, what are my um, business development capabilities, and by the way, I have a presentation, Susie, I have a PDF that I'll send to you, and you can go ahead and you can post it and you can give it to everybody, and it goes through this model literally step by step. And that will be really helpful for everybody. Yeah, so I'll share that with everybody. Um, So so how do you find the people that you might need specifically for your organization? And then um, how do you go about interviewing them? You know, what is your board selection criteria document? All of the templates are in the appendix. How do you interview them? How do you um, vet them and qualify them? And that's the whole entire S part of the model. The C talks about compensation. And... When I, when I interviewed over 150 business owners for my book, um, when, I re- when I did a survey and then I interviewed 30 for the book, um, what I found was that there was so much confusion and miss, you know, long assumptions, false assumptions about how do you compensate a board. And a lot of the objections I heard about why companies didn't put in a board was, well, you know what, I'm just starting out, I'm bootstrapping and I can't really afford it. When the truth is, is there are three different ways that you can creatively um, form a compensation model. Um, You've got your your money, you know, you've got your cash, and what we do is we pay, um, we pay not a retainer, but we pay for each meeting that we have, each board member gets a check. And you'd be surprised, the people that serve on advisory boards, the ones that you want, um, are the ones that are doing this because They really believe in the business, and they really believe in the business owner, and they know that they have a lot to give back to the entrepreneurial community. They're not people who are looking to build a resume with board service, and they're not people who are looking to basically create um, a a steady cash flow, like this isn't their main source of income. These are retired people, or people who have sold their businesses, or people who are operating very successful businesses, and they just want to pay it forward and give back, so You know, typically advisory board members, they're very, very flexible and they understand that business owners don't have a lot of cash and, you know, they want to be compensated only because they're providing a lot of value and you want them to have skin in the game and they want you to have skin in the game, but they're not looking at this as a source of their main income. So figuring out what number works for your organization um, and then the second way you can compensate them is, through different uh, options. And I interviewed an expert in the book, and it was interesting because when I went out to see if there was any information at all about how to build a board... The only thing I ever found was really on the surface level about, oh, you should put in a board. There was nothing about how to find the people and how to compensate them and understanding that this is a huge change management initiative and how you associate them into your company. None of that was out there. So what I did for the compensation section in the book is I did a 90-minute interview with an attorney, CPA, who his entire career he literally has counseled thousands of small business owners on setting up stock option programs for their board members and for their employees. This is what he does, and so um, the entire interview is completely transcribed in the book. And it's like when I look at that one section in the book, that alone, that legal advice, that you know, that financial advice. That's something that a business owner literally would have to pay thousands of dollars for. And I've got the whole entire interview transcribed. And what Wayne Zell, who I interviewed, talks about are the four different compensation methods that business owners can use to um, give uh, stock to their board members. And the other thing that he does that's really critical is he dispels the notion that you have to give away a lot in order to get board service. In fact, he recommends that you give away half a percent or 1% the first year. And then at the end of the first year, you tie that to performance and you do a, um, a review. So that in the event that the board member doesn't work out, the business oh, yeah. owner can buy the stock back um, basically for a penny And and you're not stuck with having someone on your board who has equity in your company or stock in your company um, or a voting right in your company that really shouldn't even be affiliated. So what Wayne talks about in the compensation section is how to create restricted stock agreements. There actually is a sample restricted stock agreement in there. He talks about the four levels of compensation um, that have to do with equity and how to set all of that up. And the information is is just priceless. So when you're compensating, you can use cash, you can use stock, and then you can also get creative and think out of the box and do things like trade for service. So one of my board members um, is launching his own company. It's an LLC, and he needs branding, and he needs a website. So that might be something that we can do for him in exchange for board service. I have another board member that is going to be joining us, and what he really loves is he loves my model that I've created on how to build advisory boards. He's a private equity guy and he invests in a lot of companies. And he works with CEOs. And he actually wants to have access to my intellectual capital, my model. And in exchange for that, I'm not going to pay him anything for my board. He's just going to have unlimited usage of my model, which I'm totally fine with. So um, there are different ways in which you can compensate your board. Um, another way is one of my board members said, I'll be on your board, but I want you to serve on the board of this nonprofit. So I'm going to serve on the board of a nonprofit. So there's lots of ways you can do it with cash, equity, um, trade for service. It doesn't necessarily have to really break the bank or impede cash flow in order to put a board in. So that's the C of the model. Um, The A of the model stands for associate, and there's a two-pronged approach to associating a board into an organization. The first are basically, it's it's the legal and logistical aspects of implementing a board. So a board member says "Yes, you found someone, a board member says yes." How do you actually get them on board? You've got to make sure that they sign an NBA, you've got to make sure that they sign a non-compete. You've got to get the board service agreement in place. Those are kind of like the legal and logistical aspects of actually getting them on board. But the more not the more important but the more the equally important aspect that, of that though, is how do you actually associate them into an organization. Because in any company, and I've learned this over 18 years and having dozens and dozens of employees, the thing that employees are always thinking about, no matter what, is whenever there is any change in any organization, whether it's someone's leaving, someone's coming, a a new customer, a new process, a new uh, software product, putting in an advisory board, the only question that they're asking is, how does this affect me? That's it. They just want to know how is this change going to impact me? Is it going to make more work for me? Is it going to change my work? Is it going to put me out of a job? What is the personal impact of this change on me? And so implementing a board is a huge change. It means that there's a lot of change coming in the organization, and you have to get people behind you and behind the board members in order to make it work. And it literally could take four to six months for a company to truly, truly accept and integrate a board member. But the upside is that once it's done, that person really becomes a key part of your management team and they become a very strong um, recruitment and retention tool. And they also uh, can be used for mentoring and coaching the other people in your organization. Because one of the things that I've learned when I've interviewed a lot of business owners is that the board, a lot of CEOs, the board will literally stop with the CEO. And that's a huge mistake. That's a bottleneck. Um, the Board should actually be used as a tool within the organization to develop the other uh, leaders in the in the company because they have so much knowledge to share. So in my book, I talk about all the ways in which you can really associate a board member yesterday we had um we had a lunch in our office. It was just like you know we brought in um, sandwiches from a deli and everybody had lunch together. And I invited my board members, and only one of them was in town because it's the summer and a lot of them are traveling. But he came by for lunch, and he just kind of hung out with the company. And there was, ended up being some good strategic discussion, but that wasn't the purpose of me inviting him. The purpose was really to have me integrate him into the company. So, you know, bringing these people to your all-hands meetings, bringing them to just um, informal gatherings, fun events. Um, having them come in to strategic discussions when it's appropriate, getting them business cards, getting them their own email, getting them their own extension. There are very um, important but small and but important ways that you can really integrate them and make them feel a part of the organization and establish that trust between the board member and the company. But it takes a, a very concerted effort, and it isn't something that's just going to happen naturally. It really requires a lot of attention. So, in the book, I talk about how you associate them into the company. The L talks about leverage, and I, I really, I think I identify thirty-five ways in how you can leverage your board members. And I listed, you know, the big ones: business development, sales, process development, figuring out what you insource versus what you outsource, um, having your board member evaluate RFPs. Um, we use one of our board members who is an ex um, procurement official in the government. He pretty much reviews almost every single email that we're sending out to a contracting officer. Um, just you know, we'll send it to him and we'll just say, is our language okay, or is this going to pose a conflict of interest? Um, we have a board member today that actually I think accompanied um, one of my executives up to visit a client. We we just we tap into them a lot for their expertise and for introductions. And in the book, in the leverage section, there are literally more than thirty-five ways on how you can leverage your board.
1: And then the final.
3: Um, letter E, as I mentioned earlier, is evaluate, evolve, and exit. And as I said, um, the board should constantly be evolving, and you should constantly be evaluating other people outside of your organization to see who might be a good fit for where you're taking your company. Um, The agendas that you set for your company should all be future-focused. The org charts that you're creating for your company should be future-focused, and your board should be future-focused. And we put a lot of effort and energy into onboarding our employees. Um, we offboard our employees when we do exit interviews. And the same type of process should be a, a, um, applied to your board members, that when you're deciding to roll a board member off, either because they think it's time to go or you think it's time to go, whether for personal or business reasons, how can you capture that data um, from them in terms of what their board experience was like, uh, you know, what, what could we have done differently? What could we have done better? And then you leave the door open by having a, an official exit interview with your board member instead of leaving them hanging. And I am talking from experience on that because that is an area where I wasn't very good, where I, um, some board members just kind of lapsed and I really didn't roll them off in the most effective manner. Um, so I speak from that as a way of I can do that better. That was a lesson learned for me. So... Um, That's kind of the scale model in a nutshell, and as I've rolled out this book, um, I've had many, many coaches say to me, you know, can I license your model or can I have access to your model because they're coaching business owners that want to surround themselves with an advisory board, and they just don't know how to do it. So um, this may be something that you're interested in in terms of your clients, um, you know, how you can add that additional value. Uh, so that they can continue surrounding themselves. You know, you look at Tiger Woods, I think you had six or seven coaches. Uh, You know, everybody who is at the top of the game um, in their field, they have multiple coaches. Like I mentioned, I've got my mastermind group, I have an advisory board, I have a forum in EO, I have an accountability partner, I have a women's circle group. I have five or six different um, avenues where I go for insight and guidance. And so an advisory board would never replace a coach It would literally just supplement um, a coach and, you know, you could be the catalyst to helping them create a really great advisory board and helping them stay accountable to making sure that that advisory board ends up giving them everything that they need. So, you know, that's built to scale in a nutshell. Um, The board has made a tremendous difference in my company, and right now I'm in the process. I am knee-deep right now in Um, revitalizing my board and rolling new people onto it, which I'm hoping to have launched in October. And the entire board, with the exception of one person, is actually going to be pretty much a business development uh, group, except for two. Actually, there's two people. Um, We're launching a product and I need a product expert, so I'm bringing him onto my board and then I'm bringing a strategy expert, but everybody else on my board is going to be business development into new markets. So, you know, Susie, that's kind of like the whole entire model for scale, how I've came to develop it, how I'm using my board, um, you know, are there? I can certainly field questions.
0: Yeah, I think this is a great time if anyone has questions based on the scale model or what you've heard or just questions in general about how Marissa built from, you know, being a solopreneur at her kitchen table to this giant multimillion dollar company that she's now, you know, heading So, you know, she's such a huge resource, as I'm sure you've heard already. So if you have questions, make sure you star six to unmute yourself and tell us where you want to go with Marissa's brain. You know, this is a mastermind, so let's kind of see where, where we can tap into her vast expertise and knowledge in a way that would serve you best. So what do you want to know?
1: Don't forget to star six to unmute so we can hear you. Don't be shy. I know you have questions. (laughs) If you think you're speaking and being heard, you're not. So unmute. Star six. Well, then, I know I have questions. Oh, go ahead. Did someone have a question, or did someone just join us? Just heard a ping. Go ahead. I have a question. Sure, please. Um I I think I heard uh
2: the speaker say that you started off you had two kids when you started your business.
3: I actually didn't have any kids. My kids are um 15 and almost 12 and I've had my business for 18 years
2: okay, so at some point um new where well, you were still new to your business, you had children. I was just curious um i don't know if you, i don't remember if you said it back then um um how you got started
3: okay so that's a um that that's a, a good story
1: <laughs>
3: um great story. i actually um so my background is i have a, i have a um undergraduate degree in english actually with a concentration in shakespeare (laughs) i'm a writer that's my favorite thing to do and i was a journalist for capitol hill i actually covered capitol hill i covered the senate and the house Um, i covered the telecommunications industry and i did that for a long time and i went to work for this man who ran a consulting firm that provided training to the telecommunications industry and i got hired by him because i knew all the industry players i knew the regulatory i knew the regulations i knew the technology and so he hired me away and it was like my first experience with consulting and i went to work with him for about three years and i was basically his prodigy and i i mean i learned so much and he you know put me i was i was working on multiple projects i learned project management i learned customer service you know i learned everything there was to know about consulting and then i went to him um, when it was time for me to get my raise three years into working with him after I put myself through a master's degree program. And I said to him, um, I quantified my worth. I actually went to a mentor at that time and I said, I'm really due for a raise and I know this is how much I'm worth because I went out into the marketplace and I learned how much someone like me should be making based on my experience and my master's degree. Um, and I, by the way, I went to my accountant in the firm and I knew how much I was making this company. And I said, and I want to get a raise. So he helped me create, a, you know, my own business case on why I was due for a raise. So I go into this guy and um, and I, you know, make my case. And he looks at me and he says, "You'll never be worth more than thirty-four thousand dollars to my company." So um, that's what he told me.
1: So,
3: so I that's went home and. That's all you that were night. making
1: for all that work.
3: I was making less than that. I was making like thirty thousand dollars. This is this is like um, oh. nineteen years ago. it's like 19 years ago and I I'm 45 so I was like 25 years old you know I mean I was four years out of college and it was almost 20 years ago and so I was making like $30,000 so I went to him and I you know I asked for a raise and he told me I wouldn't be worth more than $34,000 so I went home that night and my husband and I went out to dinner and I said, you know, I really think I'm ready to go on my own. You know, if I'm going to work this hard, I'm not going to stay at this job that basically capped me at $34,000. I'm not going to let someone else determine my worth. And so um, it was really that night when I was at an Italian restaurant uh, with my husband at dinner where I came up with the name, the information expert. And I wrote a tablecloth and I came up with a vision statement and I came up with a mission statement and I came up with my with my three core values. And that is how I launched my business, literally writing it out on a paper tablecloth at an Italian restaurant almost 20 years ago. And so I launched my business like that, and it just kind of has – I won't even tell you that it has steadily grown because, you know, I I will tell you the reason that people don't fail is that they don't quit. I mean, it's just very black and white. The only reason that my business is still around and that I'm still running it is that I refused to quit. And I had one of my advisors who's still in my life to this day, um, the very first advisor that I ever met on my first day of business, he's still in my life. He said to me many times, he said, when you're in the middle of the ocean, you have to keep swimming. Failure is not an option. That is what he told me. And so, I have had so many times where what I consider to be where I have risen from the ashes literally and Susie knows some of my personal history and she will attest I mean you have no idea and we don't have enough time to get into it but you have no idea the challenges that I have overcome both personally and professionally and my whole the whole reason why I still why I I am still in business is because of my sheer resilience and my sheer refusal to fail i just will not fail and so it's not that it's been a steady ride over 18 years where i've like you know climbed progressively um i'll if you look at my bio which um i'll i guess susie has it she can send it out you know you can read that i have you know i've i've had two cancer scares um i'm a melanoma survivor i have experienced you know the government shutdowns we're in the government we've we've experienced two government shutdowns we've experienced 9-11 I you know I've I've experienced many many personal things that are not in there that have been massive setbacks um, and I, you just got to keep going and so you asked me how I started that's how I started um, but I guess the answer that I'm giving you is how I've thrived and I've mm-hmm. survived and thrived because i I just don't see any other options.
1: Mm-hmm. I understand that. It's
0: a great testament to the mindset, you know, just the sheer power mm-hmm. and strength of the mindset.
2: Marissa, yeah. this is Steve in New York. Um, you said your business is at, what, 18, 18 million, you said?
3: Uh, we're at about 11 million. I, we've been around for eight
2: years. It. That's, that's fantastic. Um, so you had a vision when you first started out, and I just looked at some of your website, the information experts website is was this your vision, or did i mean there these are a lot there are a lot of services here or this did this just did you just make this up as you went along <laughs>
3: um, so it's definitely been an evolution um no, okay. my vision so when I started the business. You know, I never took a business course in my life. I'm a a connector. I'm a communicator. I knew that um, I've always been someone who wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. My passion really is communicating and connecting with other people. And when I started the business, what drove me to start it was the fact that I wasn't going to let someone else determine my worth. But it was also that the person that I was working for had a very different value system. And... He valued money and work above all else. And that just wasn't how I was going to live my life or how I live my life. And so when I started the business, it was more from a place of knowing what I didn't want and knowing how I didn't want my life to be than it was mm-hmm. this huge, tremendous vision. I think back then when I was like 25, I don't even really if I would have known the word vision. I, I, I don't even know if I would have known that word. I mean, I think I've always had vision. I've always... I definitely have always been a visionary, but I didn't know what that was. Um, I was, I was always, I've always been someone who can kind of like see where things are going and see the trends and have the vision for my own life and to be able to map that out and say, this is where I want to go. And this is what I want. And this is what I don't want. And by the way, here are the steps to get there. But I didn't know what that was at 25. So I didn't, I knew that I had a lot of skills and that I could work with people, but I definitely did not have this vision for this end-to-end integrated strategic communications, human capital, education, and technology firm. I, w- I loved training. I loved doing instructor-led training and curriculum design. And that's how I started, was designing and developing these programs for companies. And, my fr- and what I learned is that in order for a company to survive and to evolve... Um, They have to be flexible they've got to be able to pivot on a dime and so when something happens in the marketplace they have to be able to respond even if it even if it means going outside their comfort zone and if it means doing something that maybe was not necessarily their initial plan so for us the first time that we had to pivot is when John Chambers who's the CEO of Cisco he stood up and he said he said e-learning is going to be the killer application of the Internet. And he said that about four years into my business. And prior to that, all classroom, all training was classroom-based. It was all instructor-led. You, wrote, you did the participant's guide. You did the instructor's guide. You went to the locations where the students were. That was what training was. When John Chambers made that announcement, literally overnight I had to become an e-learning firm. Overnight. I had to go out and I had to hire um multimedia designers i had to go find people who knew dreamweaver and authorware and all these electronic tools that were completely out of my comfort zone completely out of my comfort zone but in order for me to be able to serve my clients those fortune 500s i had to pivot or else i would have gone out of business it didn't matter how good i was at instructional design what mattered is that i responded to the market and so that was our very first evolution and then when we went from there our clients would say to us, Oh, you do web based training? That's really interesting to websites and I would look at them and i go, Sure, we design websites and then I'd go back to my office and I'd say, Does anybody know how to design a website? And that was kind of our that, that was our second pivot or evolution into marketing. And that's how we kind of launched the whole creative services and marketing because from there it led to branding and from there it led to strategy and from there it led to human capital. Like it all kind of was like, you know, um, leapfrogging over these lily pads that were basically in response to customer demands and market shifts. But it never deviated from what my overall vision or goal of the company was, which was really to impact performance through strategic communications and education. So my my you know my vision or my my reason for existence, my mission has always been the same, but we had to evolve around it to respond to, you know, customer needs and market shifts.
2: Great. Thank you.
1: You're
3: welcome.
2: If we're ever both responded to an RFP and I know you're gonna be submitting one, I'm just gonna walk away. There's never I'll no, never win please. that
3: no, you want to join. That's the, that's uh that that you know you can't beat them, join them, right?
1: Thank you. No, you're welcome. What other questions do you guys have for Marissa? Marissa, I
0: want to know how you learned about business development.
3: How I learned about business development. Um, I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know if I've ever taken a class on business development. I um I talk a lot and I you know, I think that I think all this is development and I'm not a business development expert, but just from my experience, I think that all business development is a place of trust. So, um, you know, how can you authentically connect with your prospects? You know, do you have a genuine interest in what they're trying to accomplish? Do you have a genuine interest in trying to understand what their challenges are? And I just think that people can see through People who, you know, are BSers, you know what I mean? Like they see through people who have hidden agendas or ulterior motives who aren't really interested in helping them. And so for me, it really is all about connecting with the person on a personal level and truly genuinely being interested in pushing their agenda forward. I think that that also has to do with why I'm able to keep employees for so long because I've had people who have been with me now for 10 or 12 years, a lot of people that have um, built the company with me and it isn't because they've stayed um, because it's all been fun and game time. I mean, we have been through a lot of, you know, ups and downs and a lot of challenges, and they stay. And so um, I think it's very similar. You know, how do you attract the best customers? Well, how do you attract the best employees? I think it comes down to what an, a business owner's core value system is and uh, and how authentic they are. I think that they're very, very closely aligned. And
0: that's a great point, and that is a really great segue over to um, your other venture now. So you're not only a, a mom and a board member and a CEO of this um, 18-year-old company now, but you're also the CEO of another venture called Successful Culture. So do you want to share a little bit about that?
3: Yeah. So um, so I started Successful Culture last year. Um, it really was just a, you know, a platform for me. My The Information Experts brand is definitely a very strong brand and, and I'm very proud of it. Um, and it's, you know, I look at what we accomplish and I look at who works for me and I look at the impact that we make. I mean, we do a lot of work with Department of Defense and with Defense Logistics Agency and, um, you know, we're protecting the warfighter through a lot of our education and training and, you know, that's just incredibly meaningful work. But I am... You know, my core identity expands actually much farther beyond just the information experts brand. And so for me, I think what I wanted to do was create this platform where I'm really able to connect with other business owners, other coaches, entrepreneurs, to have kind of like a mentorship uh, platform for my writing and just for my own brand. And that's really why I started Successful Culture. I mean, I can tell you it will never be a brick and mortar And what's interesting is that I've learned as I build successful culture, which is going to be very much like a um, content-driven organization, a lot of information products, I'm now living in two worlds. I'm living in the brick-and-mortar world, and I understand what's required from an infrastructure standpoint and a human resources standpoint to build a brick-and-mortar. But then I also have learned quite a bit, and I certainly have plenty more to learn both sides, but I've learned quite a bit about what it's like to build you know, a virtual company and, and, and just, you know, the, the, the subtle nuances and the differences in, in, uh, both types of, uh, infrastructure. So successful culture for me is kind of just, um, my own personal playground. It's where it's Marissa, the brand, because information experts has gone so far beyond my personal brand. It's so much bigger than I am. It's, so much bigger than even, you know, the values of, of me and and my own capabilities. It's, it, you know, it's eclipsed me. And so successful culture is just kind of like it's my personal playground to be able to connect with entrepreneurs and, and uh, other people out there.
0: Fantastic. And um, so where, what do you want to share with folks about the best way to get in touch with you or where they can find more information about or or about built-to-scale, where they can buy built-to-scale?
3: So I would definitely invite and encourage everybody to um, please go to SuccessfulCulture.com and sign up for my blog. Um, I have a blog on organizational leadership, and I try very hard to focus on quality content. I'm not on this, you know, um, this, um, like, wheel where I'm saying, oh, I need to put out something Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I try very hard to put a lot of quality content on there, and so if you can sign up for my blog at successfulculture.com, that's the best way to get me. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and I use my LinkedIn extensively, so please find me, uh, Marissa Levin. I'm on Facebook. Um, I have my personal page, so uh, friend me on there. And um, you know, if you want to buy my book, you can get to it at successfulculture.com, and uh, you can even download it the Amazon Kindle from the Successful Culture page. So. Um, just, you know, those are the ways to get to me. I love connecting with, you know, like-minded people and people who are committed to pushing the agenda forward for other people, and that seems to be exactly what this audience is. So I definitely would love to connect with everybody on the call. Awesome. And I have posted your links and many of the notes from today's call on the Leading Coaches Center
0: Facebook page. Um, So if you missed parts of it, you can go there, and then we will get the recording for this call posted live as well once that's ready. And um,
1: I'd love to just kind of open it up to see what final questions or thoughts or insights anybody wants to share. And if you're muted, you've got a star six to unmute yourself before you share so we can hear you. Susie, your voice is
3: fading just a little bit. So, everyone, star six, the mute and unmute, if you have any final thoughts.
1: Yeah, any questions from Marissa about built to scale, about advisory boards, about her journey, Um, anything? Marissa, how about you? What final thoughts do you
3: want to share with the group about um, you know, words um, of you know, or just, I, You know, we all, I just know that, you know, it doesn't matter how large the business is, whether it's 1 million, 10 million, 50 million, 100 million, and I deal with, you know, business owners of businesses literally of all sizes, I can tell you that we are all going through the exact same things. We all have the same challenges with our processes, our people. Find a way to balance our time, you know, the whole work-life integration. And I tell you that so that um, know that, that you have support systems around you. Find the people that you can find that um, could help you get over your challenges and push through your obstacles. And just every day celebrate the wins. You know, focus on what you did accomplish rather than focusing on what you didn't accomplish. And celebrate celebrate the wins. And I think, you know, if we can all just be a little bit kinder to ourselves and make sure that we really pat ourselves on the back for what we have done and the impacts that we're making, I think we'll go a long way in helping us meet our goals. Brilliant. Thank
1: you. I captured that
3: on the
0: Facebook page. That was brilliant. Very wise. I'm so delighted that you're able
1: to be with us today. And um, it looks like we're going to be able to... Well, it was a pleasure to be here.